Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. Before you are seated, we're going to shout the name of Jesus together, okay? You know, that's a powerful thing when we do it together, right? You know that? When we voice the name of Jesus, the Bible says that when you say the name Jesus, the demons are, I'm going to use a southern term, they're scared. Okay? The Bible says they literally tremble. They literally tremble. Those big bad demons that you see in horror movies that are supposedly invincible, cower at the name of Jesus, okay? We're going to say the name Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Whoo. Man, that was powerful. Can we do that again? One, two, three. Man, you done gave the devil a black eye. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Thank you. We're not going to be dismissing the kids today because uh, we normally we have potluck today, but we had a celebration of life yesterday for Genevieve's daughter. Beautiful ceremony, I think, uh, but uh, we, were, uh, we didn't want to have people to have to cook twice, but normally on potluck days, we give our children's church team a break. Can we just say thank you to our children's church team and all of our children's workers? We appreciate that so much. So... Parents, let me say to you emphatically, your kids are going to get restless because they don't want to listen to me, and it's okay. So if Champ comes up here on stage, I'll pick him up, and he'll hang out with me, okay? He's already tried twice. I think he's gravitating. He's going to be a preacher. I'm saying that right now. Amen? And so if the babies get restless, if the kids get restless, parents, it's okay, okay? If somebody turns around... Listen, if if somebody turns around and gives you a dirty look, you turn around and you give them a dirty look in Jesus' name, okay? I mean, seriously, it's okay, parents. Kids are going to be kids. I mean, I don't expect you to, to, I mean, obviously we need to, there's a level of control we want to have. We want to teach them respect for the house of God, but kids are going to be kids, and so it's okay. So when my son was five years old, he decided to run up on stage and say, hey, Dad, and of course I picked him up, and we kept going. So it's not going to bother me. Okay, parents? Are we good with that? Okay. Now, if one of you adults run up on stage, that's a whole other story. I got a security team, right, Skyler? RJ? <laughs> I'm joking about the security team, okay? If you run up here, I'm running that way. I don't know. <laughs> I was, uh, my daughter's been dying for me to watch this movie, and I'm sure some of you have already seen it, Jesus Revolution. And so we watched that movie last night, and a good movie, good movie, right, positive message. But, you know, this happened in the 70s, and they called it a, a major spiritual awakening. And, and in fact, the awakening that came influenced how church was done. Before that, everybody just sang hymnals, but a lot of songs came out of that movement that we uh, 
uh, not necessarily that we sing today, but it's changed how we do music, changed how we do church. So there were some positive things about it. But again, it happened in the late 60s and the 70s. And it's funny because the, the, the people that were saved were a bunch of hippies, kind of the, the people in society that were rejected by the church. And, and I'm not here to preach for or against that movie, but there was one line that really struck me in that movie is when the, the young man said to the pastor, he says, we want Jesus, but the church doors are closed to us. And that really broke my heart because I realized how right they are. Even today, the church doors are closed to people who need Jesus. We, we kind of want to be proper in the way that we have church. We must, we got to be proper. And I, I remember people coming to me when I first started pastoring and say, Pastor, you can't do that. That's not proper. And then my challenge was, okay, do me a favor. Show me in scripture where it says I can't do that. And we'll, we'll talk about it. And we, you know, we never can, right? And so we have to be a church that is open to everyone and pursues the truth. Amen? Because there's people out there that want the truth. But here's the takeaway that I have from that, uh, that movie. And again, I'm not promoting that movie. Don't misunderstand me because you have to watch it what you feel proper. There are certain things that, that claim to be a Christian movie that aren't necessarily promoting Christian values. You've got to be real careful about that. But the one thing that hit me about the message of that movie is I thought to myself, Lord, why can't we have that revival here? You guys with me, right? Why, why, what, what is it about Juno? Do you love Southern California more than Juno? No, right? I mean, I don't even like Southern California. It's too hot, right? But what is, what is holding Juno back? Is it God? Is it God? Is God holding Juno back? Lord, What's it going to take? And, and, and the Lord drove me out of bed last night, and I couldn't sleep, and I prayed, and I started seeking God, and I went before him, and I said, Lord, I'm not taken away from what happened, but Lord, I want that here, amen? I want God to move in Juno, amen? I want God, I want God to move in, in your lives. I want God to move in the church. I want God to move in this city. And guess what, if, if people start having church not in the church, guess what, I'm going to be okay with that. Now, I want us to understand there's a difference between people getting saved and gossip sessions. Okay? You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about gossip sessions. I'm talking about salvation meetings where people are getting touched and filled with the Holy Ghost and turning their lives around, amen? Isn't that what the church is supposed to be about? Isn't that, isn't what, like we learned last week, the whole purpose of the Holy Ghost is not to make us speak in tongues, although that is part of it, amen? The purpose of the Holy Ghost is to send us out, amen? To send us out, amen? See, we've been practicing on Wednesday night about sharing your testimony. And, and in reality, you should, we should really be able to share our testimony in less than 30 seconds because, you know, 30 seconds is about an attention span from someone. And some people may differ with that opinion, and that's fine. I'm just sharing with you what I've learned. But we should be able to share our testimony, and the purpose of our testimony 
is not to save them. The purpose of our testimony is to allow the Spirit to be able to work on that person so they or the Spirit can save the person. Amen? Because we don't know what's going to happen with God. Our job is to do what he's called us to do and to say the name Jesus. To say the name Jesus. Amen? See, when you spoke the name Jesus a few minutes ago, I don't know if you felt it, but there was a spiritual reverberation that went throughout this area. And the devil knows, or his minions know, that we are in church today, amen? But it is time to go out and let people know that, first of all, there is a Savior. And second of all, that you don't have to do the things that you're doing. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be under bondage. You can be free. Everybody talks about truth. We are the only ones with truth, amen? We're the only ones with truth this morning. First, they're going to argue with you. They're going to say, well, a bunch of men read the Bible. And all I'm going to say is, if you can get all those men to agree on one thing, then you're doing something right. Because I don't see men agreeing on anything sometimes. Amen? Praise God for what he did in Scripture. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to continue our message on God gives. And this morning, we're going to talk about God gives grace. Isn't it great what God gives to us? Let me give you the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 16. If you could pull that up for me, please. That would be Hebrews 4 6. Can we pull up 4 16? We'll give them a couple seconds to do that. So that was probably me. I gave the wrong scripture. Let me know if you guys got it. Go ahead. Man, I tell you what, aren't they just on the spot up there? They just flow with it. Every now and then, every now and then, pastor messes up. I think this is uh, twice this year. No, sorry, once. Amen. Let's read this verse together. Let us therefore come timidly. Did I read that wrong? What does boldly mean? You know, when my daughter comes and asks me for money, which is often, (laughs) when she was younger, not now, because she has a job now, and I go ask her for money. You think I'm joking, I'm not. And she used to come to me with boldness. She didn't care. She goes, Dad, I need $100. I said, what for, you know? She goes, you know, some cheerleading thing or something. She just, she thought that the ATM just gave up money, right? And so she came to me boldly. She didn't care. And I would get kind of frustrated. And then she looked at me. She goes, Dad, now. <laughs> she was bold about it, right? And you know what I did? I went to the bank and got her money because that's what I do. Amen? So we understand what it means to come boldly before the Lord. Amen? We are sons and daughters of God. Do you understand that? Why do we go to God like we're scared of him? Now, if you got sin in your life and you refuse to get it right, you should be scared of God. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God when you don't deal with your sin and you act like everything's okay and you're telling God, I am not going to change. That doesn't fly with God. But if you're trying and you're a son and your daughter and you're doing all you can, God looks upon you with grace. 
grace. Isn't that awesome? It's not whether or not you commit the sin. It's whether you've given your life to Christ and asked him to help you with the sin. Do you understand that? And it's time the church stopped condemning people for things they're doing wrong and help them do the things that are right. Amen? We're all going to mess up. We're all going to do the wrong thing. We're all going to fail sometimes. But isn't it great that God chose the failures of this world to perpetuate who he is? Joseph was a failure. Moses was a failure. David, a failure. Come on now. He says, let us therefore go boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We've been talking about God and what he gives, and God gives us the attributes of himself, the things that describe who he is. He gives us freedom. He gives us joy. He gives us hope. He gives us healing. And then last week, we talked about something that was amazing. He gives us literally himself. He literally gives us himself in the Holy Spirit. He says, here, this is my innermost part of who I am, and I'm going to give it to you. Isn't that amazing that God does that to us? See, a lot of people say that when you when you're, when you're, uh, have God in your life and you accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in. That is his presence, amen? But there's a difference between his presence and his power. Come on now. Does anybody want the power of God? Pastor, I have things in my life that, that I just can't overcome. Well, of course you can. You need the power of God. Amen? Pastor, I'm just struggling. Of course you are. You need the power of God. Amen? Pastor, I just can't seem to get past this. Of course you can. You need the power of God. Amen? There's a difference between the presence and the power of God. You can have the presence without the power, but you can't have the power without the presence. Power without the presence is not the power, it's fake. It's not of God, it's fleshly. And we've seen a lot of that in the church, haven't we? We've seen a lot of fakeness in the church, but I will tell you this morning, the power of God, and this is not even in my message, this is what I call the pre-message, the power of God is not fake this morning. It is for every believer to receive. As a matter of fact, Paul said, you should be baptized in the Holy Ghost, Amen. Now, he's given us the Holy Ghost, but now he's telling us that he has given us grace to approach the throne. And see, that's kind of hard for us to understand and realize. Do you know why? Because we don't have a king here in America. We don't serve a king. We don't understand what it means to approach a king and the protocols that are involved. When my wife and I were stationed overseas, we had a chance to go visit the new Schwanstein Castle. And there was a throne room in this, in this particular room. And as you went in, you felt the, the royalty, uh, the, uh, 
royalty, I don't know, you know the word I'm trying to say. You felt the, the royal presence, you felt the, the protocol that was there, and you had to come to the throne with a purpose, otherwise you would be cast out. And so we go in there, and it was just this presence, and you knew that you were somewhere important. You knew that you were in the presence of the king at that time. Brothers and sisters, we are invited into the throne room of God to ask him what we need in the time of trouble, amen? In the time of goodness, in the time of sorrow, in the time of joy, we are invited into the throne room of God, amen? And it's time for Christians to stop acting like their life is full of defeat and realize that you have access to God Almighty this morning, amen? Listen to me, you have access to God this morning, okay? You don't have to stand outside and say, hey, can you go talk to God for me? You don't have to come to me and say, hey, pastor, can you talk to God for me? I mean, I'll agree with you, sure, that's my job, amen? You tell me, I'll agree with you, but I'm just going to agree with you. I don't have to go on your behalf. You can approach the Father on your own, amen? You can approach the Father. And see... If another child were to come up to me and ask me for money, when my child was younger, I would have said, who are you? No, you're not my child. I'm not responsible for you. I'm a little bit changed now that I'm older. Kids come up to me all the time and ask me for money. That is not an invitation, by the way. <laughs> and I'm like handing money out like, you know, they want raffle tickets and I, you know, i got to tell you, I'm just going to tell them to go ahead and burn my raffle ticket because I never win. And I think that's like God telling me I shouldn't buy raffle tickets. I don't know, but I try to help the kids. Like they're raising money for cheerleading or, or something like that. But see, God doesn't look at us like that in the sense that he's going to differentiate between those that he answers and those that he does answer. He says to everyone, come before me that you may obtain grace and mercy. We're going to talk about Esther today, because in the time of Xerxes, there were also protocols in approaching the king. Xerxes was a Persian king, and the Jews were still in captivity, and they had just come out of Babylonian captivity, but they weren't allowed to do certain things because of who they were. And the wife of Xerxes, her name was Queen Vashti. Allow me to give you a little bit of history here. Anybody love history like me? I love history. You know why I love history? Because he, history teaches us how messed up we are right now. And we are messed up. Queen Vashti was summoned by the king. He says, I want you to come before me. And she refused. And we can get into this argument of, you know, she shouldn't have to do that and all of that, but really that's not what it's about. He was the king. She was summoned. That was the law. That was just the way it was, okay? And she didn't do it. And so what happened was, is her title, her title was stripped from her and she was no longer queen. She was kicked out of the castle. She says, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. And he says, okay, you don't listen to me. You're gone. And so they put on a search for a queen, and they searched high and low. You know the story of Esther. And they found Queen Esther, a Jew. The king didn't know she was a Jew, but she was. But then a man arose by the name of Haman. And this man, Haman, who was, a, he was an official in the court, he was someone that was trusted, someone 
that the king loved to, looked up to and, or looked to for advice. And he arose in the courts. But what people didn't know is Haman hated the Jews. He hated them. But you have to understand why he hated them. The Bible says in Esther 3, 1, it says, after these things, King Xerxes promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. Now, why would he still hate the Jews? 1 Samuel 15, 8. Saul was commanded to kill the Amalekites. And the reason why God did this is he was punishing the Amalekites for the way they treated the Jews as they were coming up out of captivity, captivity from Egypt. But Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. Anybody ever not really done what you were supposed to do with God? Kind of halfway did it? Kind of only did it part way, only to realize that there was some circumstances later, there was some consequences later. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 8, he says, he also took Agag, remember Agag, the Agagite? He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So this king had a son who ultimately went to Persia, modern-day Persia, the king of the Medes, King Xerxes, and because he rose up in the ranks, he wanted to take revenge on the Jewish people. He wanted to kill them all. He wanted to take them all the way. He wanted them all to die, men, women, and children. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you right now, if you do not fully defeat the enemy in your life, the enemy will rise up again and he will try to take out you, he will try to take out your family, he will try to take out your household, he'll try to take out your church, he will try to take out everything that you're acquainted with. The people of God need to deal with the things in their life and not halfway do it because they feel like everything's okay. You need to deal with the things in your life. Amen. Don't think for a moment, don't think for a moment that God just sits there and says, oh, it's okay. You don't have to do that. I know it's hard. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to deal with that problem. It's okay. No. The Holy Spirit gives us the power. Remember when I talked about the power? The Holy Spirit gives us the power to deal with that problem. Amen? Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's going away. Come on now. Anybody ever had a water leak in their house? How many understand that that leak, though small at first, can ultimately cost you thousands of dollars? Come on now. Anybody have a leak in their car of oil? That can also cost you thousands of dollars. Amen? Things that we put off and we don't deal with that maybe cost pennies right now and we don't deal with it, it can cost us thousands of dollars later. So it is true with us spiritually, brothers and sisters, because Saul did not follow God like he should have. We're now dealing with this now. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say something right now. There are those that come before us that didn't deal with things in the church, and now we're cleaning that up. Come on. I'm not talking about any pastor. I'm not talking about the church before us. Don't misunderstand me. 
but a lot of things were let go in the church at large in America. And we, we were said, it's okay, we're not going to deal with that, we're not going to deal with that, we're not going to deal with that. And now, guess what? We're dealing with it, amen? We're dealing with people who didn't deal with sin in their life, and they've been caught doing things they shouldn't do, amen? And I want to tell you, it is not okay to live together, amen? It is not okay to live in sin. It is not okay to drink alcohol. It is not okay to do weed or anything like that. It it's time for a people of God to be a holy people of God. Amen? A holy people of God. Now, sometimes, I will say this, sometimes when people live together, if you're working towards marriage, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're together. Okay? I'm with you. I'm not going to make you go apart from each other because you've established your life, and I've done that before. People have questioned it, but you can't just break up a family like that, okay? But I'm telling you, if you're living together for the sake of living together, it's wrong, okay? You've got to be separate. You've got to be holy. We've got to be a holy people of God, and it's time for the church to finish the job, amen? We need to be a holy people. We need to be a righteous people. We need to be a people that are above, Amen? I'm tired of walking places and people talking to me and saying, you know your person at your church did that. You know they're doing that. We need to be a people that stands up and says, oh, we make mistakes sometimes, but we're not living that lifestyle. We're walking towards something. We're going to live a holy lifestyle, amen? A holy lifestyle. The Bible says, Jesus said, God said, be holy because I am holy. Amen. That means he expects us to live a holy and righteous life. Amen. That means he expects us to do the right thing. Saul didn't do that. Saul halfway did it. Brothers and sisters, there's no halfway obeying God. Either you obey God or you don't. Amen. Either you obey God or you don't. Saul didn't obey God, and it was going to come back and kill all the Jewish people. Because as you know the story, Haman tricked the king into issuing an edict that all the Jews would be destroyed. Can you imagine that? Just because you were a particular culture or race, somebody wanted to destroy you. I will tell you this morning that God will rise up in defense of you. Are you sure I'm on? Come on now. Man tries to put you down. All right, here we go. He's off the stage. You know what that means. Man tries to put you down. Man tries to subjugate you. Man tries to oppress you, and it may seem like they're successful, but God. But God. Do you realize that God has risen up those who have been oppressed to be the leaders? Do you realize, do you realize that God has risen up those who were under now to be over? Do you realize that God has risen up leaders not to... Not to exact revenge on those who have oppressed, 
but to rise up and say, I forgive you, amen? We're brothers and sisters, amen? We're together in this life. We're going to do it together, and we're going to let God sort out all that, amen? I will tell you this morning, God's going to raise up the people of Juno, those that serve him. He's going to raise them up. He's going to say, we live and we serve a holy God, amen? Oh, praise God. I might do a little dance here. If I do a little dance and my clothes fall off with David, just look the other way, okay? <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. You guys aren't laughing. I'm not sure. Maybe you're terrified. I don't know. I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, God is about to raise up the people of Juno. God is about to raise you up. And you know, you know who's going to be the most happy? Me. I'm going to be like, Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. God's You know what God is doing? God's raising up leaders. God's raising up leaders. God is raising up Holy Ghost. Empowered. Infilled. Baptized. Men and women of God. To be leaders spiritually in this community. And man, I can't wait. I can't wait because we're going to go places we haven't been before, amen? amen? But let me ask you this question, though. Yes, the Jews are about to be destroyed. But Mordecai, the uncle of Esther, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over some parts, so you need to go back and read Esther for yourself. I hope you know the story. But Mordecai said this to Esther. He said, don't think that if something happens that you're exempt. But what if, oh man. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit on me. And I believe this is prophecy right now for this church. What if you were here for a time such as this? Mm. Oh, man. You've been told all your life that you're nothing. You've been told all your life that you don't measure up. Listen, they're not the ones who measure you. It is God that measures you. Amen? God has measured you this morning. Oh, hallelujah. God has measured you this morning. God has looked at you and said, it's time. It's time. It's time. What if you were here for such a time as this? There are people that need God this morning. Listen, if they're gay, they just need to know that God loves them, amen? I can assure you they don't want to be gay. They just need to know somebody loves them. Well, I love them. Amen, I love them. Amen. I've said this before. When AIDS came out, the church shunned the AIDS people we don't want any part of that. God's cursed the gay people. Listen, that's not our place, okay? How dare us say that? Oh, I'm getting anointed now. How dare us accuse and judge people? We should have been the first ones down at the shelter, hugging people, loving on them, and telling them God loves them, amen? We missed that opportunity. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to miss another opportunity, amen? If a drag queen comes in here, I'm going to stay right here, right here, brother, sister, whatever you call yourself, here's your seat, amen? And by the time you get up here, you're going to know who you really are. You're going to know if you're a man or a woman, amen? Oh, hallelujah! You're going to know. You're not going to be, because see, God is not the author of confusion. Come on now. God is not the author of confusion. So if you are confused, it is not of God. Isn't that simple? Isn't that, am I missing something? Come on now. I don't have a problem with somebody coming into my church that, or this church and, and acting weird and different. We're all weird and different. Praise God. Come on now, who thinks pastor's weird? Praise God, a lot of you are brave enough to raise your hands. My wife knows she's raising her hand. She raised both hands, she really knows, amen? We're all weird, amen? amen. We need to love on the homosexual. We need to love on the drug addict. We need to love on the drunkard. We need to love on the pedophile. We need to love on the jail person. We need to love them. Man, I'm, I'm sick of churches saying that you have to abide by our standards before you attend our church. There's no standard but God's standard, okay? There's no standard but God's standard, okay? We're going to follow what God wants us to follow, amen? If that means that we have church outside these walls, then that's what we're going to do. If that means we go downtown and we're going to start a church downtown, then that's what we're going to do, amen? we got to do what we need to do, Amen? Hallelujah. Man, I tell you what, I'm glad I have a weird church and you have a weird pastor. It's okay to be weird. They thought Jesus was weird. Amen? They thought John and Peter was weird. But Esther, Esther rose up. Oh, praise God. Esther rose up to defend her people. Can I ask you something? Don't, don't respond, please. But I'm going to ask you a question. Who's going to rise up to defend your people? That kind of hurt a little bit, didn't it? Who's going to rise up to defend your people? Pastor, that's your job. My job is to preach. I would say I have the easy part, but it's not easy preaching sometimes. Who's going to rise up and defend your people? I don't care if your people are this. I don't care if your people are that. I don't care who they are. And I don't mean to say I don't care who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. There's no preference. But who's going to rise up and defend your people? Who's going to rise up and say, Father, my family is important to me. My son, my daughter, my wife, my, my uncles and my aunties, they're important to me. I'm going to go to the Lord about my family. Who's going to rise up and say, my city's important to me? Maybe you're tired of Juno. You want to see it burn. And I want to tell you, if you feel that way, God help you. Because we're not called to judge. 
We're not, that's not our job, brothers and sisters. We, are, we have not been made judge. As a matter of fact, even Jesus was not made judge. Did you know that? He says, for I did not come into the world to judge the world, but through me that all might be saved. We are fire insurance salesmen. Amen? We are fire insurance salesmen. We are trying to save the lost from going to hell. Amen? Who will rise up and say, I will defend this city. I will defend Angoon. I will defend Cape. I will defend my family. I will defend this church. Esther goes up. See, to go to the king, it was seen as a line of disrespect, and there was only one way out for her to do that. She had to be given the scepter. The scepter, oh, praise God. The scepter showed that the king had favor with her and that he loved her. If he didn't give her the scepter, she would die right then. Esther went into the king's presence. And I want you to imagine this, okay? As soon as Esther went into the presence of the king in front of all his officials, knowing what she did was not acceptable at that time, he extended the scepter. He extended grace. Oh, praise God. Oh, shanalamakiyitelamakam. See, when he extended grace, she can make her request known to save her people. And I want to tell you something right now. Listen to me. This is very important, okay? Too many times as Christians, we talk around God. But we don't take our request to God. We don't tell God what we need in a time of trouble. We get on Facebook and talk about it, don't we? On social media. We get on Facebook and say, pray for me. Or pray for this or pray for that. And listen, I'm not against people praying for you on social media, but there's some people, to be honest, I don't know if they should pray for me or not. <laughs> I mean, that sounds weird, but they're... Belief systems are different than mine. I don't, I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. You know who I am comfortable praying for me? People in this church who are spirit-filled and know God and love God. I know that we're in one mind and in one accord. Amen? I know that we're together. Amen? And I want to tell you that we have the right to go to a living God this morning. But we talk around it. And we don't go to God. Let me ask you this morning, and I talked a little bit about this Sunday night, so those of you who are Sunday night, I know this seems like a repeat, and it is, but that's okay. By the way, if you're not coming to church on Sunday night for prayer meeting, you're really missing something. So Esther went up, and she grabbed, she touched the top of the scepter, and King Xerxes says, what do you want up to half my kingdom? So let me ask you a question. This is where I was going with this. Think about this for a moment, okay? What if God said to you, 
And I shouldn't say what if, because he is saying to you right now, what do you want? What do you need? Did everybody hear what I just said? God literally sitting there in his throne, handing out a scepter. We touch it because we can come in the throne room of grace. And God literally saying, what do you need? See, that's a hard concept, isn't it? Because how many have been disappointed because God doesn't answer prayers the way that we want him to answer? All of us should be raising our hands. All of us should be raising our hands, amen? All of us should be raising our hands. I, you know, I was supposed to be the next Chris Tomlin, just so that you know. I was going to travel the world writing my songs, <laughs> playing in front of millions and millions of people. They were going to call me the next Keith Green, because that's kind of who I am. And I play the piano. Like, Does everybody know who Keith Green is, by the way? So, okay, good. Some of you know who Keith Green is. He's, he's part of that Jesus revolution. He played the piano, and I played the piano, and people are going to compare me to him, and, and I was going to give a big fat recording contract, and, you know, and I was just going to travel around. That's the way I saw myself, right? And God is like, no, no. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Juno and pastor. Now, he didn't really tell me that because if he would have told me that 20 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't know where Juno is. I, I didn't. Just, I must be honest with you. I didn't know where it was. I, I don't know where that place is at. I mean, I, it's not like I haven't lived in Alaska, but I didn't really know where it was, right? But the Lord had in mind this whole time, this is where he is going to take me. This is where he was going to put me. This is what he was going to do in me, brothers and sisters. And I will tell you, and this is what I want you to get across, is God has a plan for your life. He is going to use you. He is going to take you somewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean in front of thousands of people. It may be in front of five people. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is when Jesus had 5,000 people following him, and he made a statement about eating his body and drinking his blood, and everybody left but 12 people. The worst church split in the history of church splits. He dealt with that. But what is it that you need? What is it that you long for? What is it that you desire? Do you see what I'm talking about? The scepter. The scepter right here. But we get so disappointed when God doesn't do the things that we want. And it's just like James says, sometimes we don't get what we want. Just like my dream of being the next Chris Tomlin or the next Keith Green is because we ask amiss. In other words, we don't ask within God's will. Lord, I want, it's just like Janis Joplin said, Lord, buy me a new Mercedes Benz. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard of. I don't need a Mercedes-Benz. Clearly, a BMW is a better car. Right? Amen? We ask for things that we shouldn't ask for. God made me rich. God made me this. We make it all about us, don't we? We make it all about our comfortability. 
I want you to know if you've lived this Christian life long enough, it's going to be a life of uncomfortability. Can I tell you that? I don't know what it is about American Christians. We think that we have to be comfortable to be happy in church. I want to tell you this morning, if you're comfortable in this church, then I'm not doing my job. My job is to make you uncomfortable through the Holy Ghost, amen? Because it's when we're uncomfortable that we move, amen? And when it's uncomfortable that we get out of our seats, amen? When we're uncomfortable, then we do something about it. When we're uncomfortable, then we realize that God has a plan for us, amen? And that we need to change, that we need to move, that we need to have faith. Man, what would it be like as if this church, every one of us went to the Lord and said, Lord, this is what I need. The Bible said the disciples in the upper room were all in one accord. 150 people in agreement. Can you believe that? 150 people in agreement. I think that's the number, if I'm not mistaken. 150 people in agreement. What do you think they were agreeing about? Tacos for lunch? Man, don't you wish we had a Taco Bell here? Man, I can't quit thinking about tacos now. Who's going to Anchorage? Go get me some Taco Bell. Can you come back and bring it to me? You think they were agreeing about tacos for lunch? You think they were agreeing on on where they should go for out for, for lunch after, after church. Hey, Peter, when the Holy Spirit comes down, I want to go down to this Asiana place. I heard they got good Chinese food. You think that's what they're agreeing on? No, because we know nobody can ever agree on lunch. Amen? You know what they were in agreement on? The promise of the Father. That's what they were in agreement on, amen? They said, hey, Jesus promised us something, and it took them about 10 days to get there, by the way. Jesus promised us something, and I'm in agreement. Are you in agreement? I believe that God's going to do it. Do you believe that God's going to do it? What would happen in the church of God if everyone said, you know, God promised us that he's going to rise up the culture and the people here of Juneau and that we were going to perpetuate the spirit of God across southeast Alaska. What would happen, what would happen if all of us came into agreement that the Holy Ghost was coming down, it doesn't matter if you were a Baptist or you're a Nazarene or, or Foursquare or whatever, none of that matters. The Holy Ghost comes down and then we begin to exercise as a church, one church, and the Jehovah's Witness realize they're a cult and they get saved, the Mormons get saved, and everybody turns to God. What if? What if? What if the church became the church, amen? What if the church went out and, and witnessed to the Lord, witnessed the Lord to other people? What if the church was so less worried about theology than it was about getting people saved, amen? Well, sometimes we worry about the silliest thing, how many angels sit on the edge of a pen. Who cares? All I care is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, amen? What if? What if we grab that scepter and say, Lord, I want to see my family saved. I want to see my family in church with me. I want to see my family come to God. Amen. What if? It said I took a hard fall. That was freaking me out. My, hand, my wrist was 
vibrating. I was like, what's going on? I took a hard fall. It was the Holy Ghost. What if? What if? Brothers and sisters. What if? Come on now. Pastor, I'm not comfortable with what you're preaching. Okay, you're starting to get it. You're getting it with me. Right, Brian? You're getting it with me. I'm a, I don't know if I can do that. You're right, you can. Only the Holy Ghost can. Only the Holy Ghost can. Well, Pastor, I, I, I feel this and I want to go out. Okay, you ready? Then go. Well, I, I don't know if I can. You're right, you can. You got to have the Holy Ghost. Well, didn't I sound like a southern preacher right there? Well, Pastor, I'm just not comfortable with this, and I don't know if I can. Yes, you're right, but what if we did? What if we claimed Juno? What if we walked around Juno like Joshua walked around Jericho, and we broke down some walls? Amen? What if, what if the dam broke, and the flood of the Holy Ghost came in and destroyed some of these barriers and blockades the enemy has put up, and people ran to Jesus? That might mean you won't have your seat next Sunday. What if people were lined in the floor, right? Oh, God. What if people were lined in the floor here, over here, and the fire marshal come in and try to set us down because we got too many people, and then he got saved. And... And then the mayor comes in and says, you can't have this. And she starts speaking in tongues. And then the police come and they get saved. I'm not trying to break any law. Come on, am I wrong, Josh? Am I, am, is, can the Spirit of God do that? What if? What if? What if those who are trying to divide our culture, come at the altar of cross and brought reconciliation and peace. I'm sick of division. I'm sick of it. It's not of God. I don't care who you think you are. It's not of God to divide. We should bring healing, forgiveness. Amen? Amen? Healing and forgiveness? That, is mean we do, that does not mean that we don't acknowledge. Oh, yes, we should acknowledge. But there should be healing. Amen? Jesus said, if a brother strikes you in a cheek, you offer him what? Your other cheek. Amen? You say, well, pastor, I'm running out of cheeks. Don't worry. God's got some spare. He'll give it to you. Okay? Brothers and sisters, what if? Come on. What if? And see, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be an if. God is sitting there waiting for a church to rise up and say, it is. It is. It is. It is. But pastor, I can't, I can't see that. There's a story in the Old Testament. I'm glad I don't print out my notes for you guys because I'm so far off my notes, it's not even funny. You guys are okay with that, right? That's when the Spirit of God takes over. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Elisha. And the Syrians hated Elisha because he would always reveal their positions when they were fighting. And so they came, they sent an army to capture Elisha. 
And they surrounded his town that he was at. And his, his servant that was with him, was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a southern term once more. Okay, are you ready? He was scared. You guys know what scared means? That means you're scared times 10. You're scared. Okay? I just taught you a new word. All right? If you go down south to Georgia, North Carolina, and you use the word scared, they'll think you're one of them. All right? So he was scared. And he saw this army. And he said, well, we got to give up. we got to give up. And I'm going to be honest with you, that sounds like a lot of Christians. We're just going to sit here until Jesus comes. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that, by the way. He was scared. And Elisha just sat there and said, we'll be fine. Don't you hate people who are calm in crisis? I know this is hard to believe, but when there's a crisis, I tend to get a little amped up. My wife, on the other hand, is Miss Cool and Collective. And you know what she'll do? She'll look at me and she'll touch my arm and she'll say, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not okay. And she'll say, quit being a drama king. All right, that's really true. But Elisha just sit there and he just, he did this. He goes, it's all right. It's fine. And the servant's like, no, 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 it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes. The Lord opened his eyes. And all across the valley and the hills was the army of God. And Elisha said, all I got to do is call them down and they'll take care of everything. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that all we got to do is to grab a hold of the scepter and say, okay, Lord, call down your army. Call down your army. Call down your army. Stand to your feet. Call down your army. Come on, stand to your feet, brothers and sisters. When are the children of God going to reach out in faith and take hold of what God has given you? Do you need peace? Take hold of the scepter. Do you need healing? Take hold of the scepter. Do you need your family saved? Take hold of the scepter. Stop believing the lies of the enemy and trust in an eternal God who is forever victorious. He has never, never lost a battle. Did you hear what I said? He's never lost a battle. When are we going to trust him with our problems? When are we going to trust him with this church? When are we going to trust him with this city? When are we going to trust him with our jobs? Who needs to take hold of the scepter this morning? Come on. You know the drill. Right here. This is where we do it. The altar is where we lay stuff down. Amen? It's where we lay it down. We lay it down at the altar. 
That doesn't mean you're going to walk out tomorrow and everything's going to be fine. No, you may have to take a hold of that scepter every day. Amen? Amen. Every day. Every day. For those of you who can. For those of you who can. Our elders, go ahead and sit down if you want to. But those of you who can, I would like for you to kneel here. Elders, you can sit on the seats if you want to. The rest of you, I just want you to kneel. Elders, if you can't kneel, you can just sit back there on that chair. It's still going to pray. This is what I want you to do. Listen to me. All of you, look at me. All of you, look at me. Look at me. The one holding you back is you. Okay? Quit blaming the devil. The devil does nothing. He's not that powerful. Okay? He's not that powerful. Quit giving him power. It's you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's just you. Grab hold of the scepter. Grab hold of the scepter and tell him what you need. He's holding it out right now. So here's how you do it. You worship him and you tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. I want you to pray right now and I want you to worship. This is your time right now. This is your time right now. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Don't hold back. I want you to weep and I want you to cry because that's an emotion coming out of you. Thank you for listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.